0: We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balaszewski says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balaszewski. Hello, my friends. I hope you are centered, solid, and enjoying the expression of the divine that you are. Yes, relationships the mysterious difficult wonderful journey of true love i believe relationships are our greatest opportunity to know ourselves to become our best selves and to share our best selves with the world however this journey rarely happens without its shares of challenges a lot of introspection and a good dose of personal inner work Today, we have an expert with us who can potentially help us bypass some of the pain and confusion that seems to surface in our committed relationships and support us in understanding the natural cycles that are part and parcel of partnership, relationships, as well as the tips, tools, and helpful hints to stay in our loving. I'm so excited to have her back with us for a second show. We are joined by Linda Carroll. She has worked as a couples therapist for more than 30 years. In addition to being a licensed psychotherapist, she's certified in transpersonal psychology and imagotherapy, the highly successful form of couples therapy developed by Dr. Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelley Hunt, who we've also had on this show. She's a master teacher in pairs, psychoeducation process, and a nationally recognized relationship education program for couples. Linda has studied many modalities of psychological and spiritual work, including voice dialogue with Dr. Hal and Sidra Stone, holotropic breathwork with Dr. Stan Groff, the fourfold with Angelus Arian, the diamond heart work of A.H. Almas, and training with the Couples Institute of Dr. Ellen Bader and Peter Pearson. She's also certified in the Hot Monogamy Program, which helps couples create or recreate a passion connection between themselves. She's the author of a very helpful and informative book called Love Cycles, The Five Essential Stages of Lasting Love. I'm so happy to have you on again, Miss Linda Carroll. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Well, so we had you on a show, a previous show where you really went into the five love cycles, which I think was so very helpful. And I really want to get into um, how we can start to navigate the more uncomfortable or confusing terrain as some of the more challenging cycles. But before we do that, can you just briefly mention the five love cycles again? Maybe people will recognize themselves somewhere in here.
1: Well when we first fall in love, we feel this mergy, wonderful feeling, which I call the merge state. Like we're half and we found our other half. Um, enchantment. And then we begin to move into a power struggle somewhere between a year and three years. Um, those those wonderful chemicals wear off and we don't see everything as perfect. We start to find out we're with a real human and that we're a real human. And so, as we some people describe by saying the magic is, starts to go, and that's the stage of doubt, the stage of the power struggle. What's happening here? Am I with the wrong person? And, so, and then we can get stuck in those power struggles. And so, where were we once where we were once enchanted, we now become disenchanted. Everything was perfect. Everything is wrong. At that point, we have to make a decision: Do I stay and just live a parallel life? Do I leave? Do I try to figure out what's going on in this relationship, or do I do nothing? And fortunately, we have the wonderful expertise of so many people who can help us if we decide to stay and figure out how I got here. Not to stay to save it or to not save it, but to figure out how we got here. We really have a chance to get to know ourselves, our patterns. If we leave, we don't have to do the same thing again. And if we can stay, we can move into... The fifth relationship, which comes from knowing that we are whole ourselves, we're not half of another person, we're a whole being. And to practice the skills communication-wise and also those spiritual life skills, which really are essential in learning how to love from a place of wholeheartedness, Mm -hmm. that's stage five. And of course, we don't stay there not like we arrive on the mountain and then we're there forever. We fall into all those stages again, but it's a spiral. We can get out of them faster. We fall in love with our partner on Saturday night. On Sunday, we're annoyed. On Sunday <laughs> afternoon, we're in an argument. But we know how to very quickly repair, get over it, laugh at ourselves, say I'm sorry, and to move back into that that intimate stage where we're not merged with two halves making a whole, but we are now really deeply connected and that is two whole people who come yes. together and make even a third. A third,
0: you can talk I about. I love that. Now. I, you know, I often say to my clients, it's like I, I feel healthy relationships should look like a Mastercard symbol. You have two whole circles with boundaries that overlap. There's places that overlap. There's places that don't. But even in the context of the overlap, there's still clear boundaries. That's right. That's nice. That's lovely. Yeah. Instead of looking for somebody to complete you, which is romantic and codependent and unhealthy, you become really whole under yourself yeah, that's and then you right. attract another whole person. And then from my perspective, relationships are a lot um, more loving, more consistent, more stable. That's been my personal experience, but it, it took a while to, you know, get to this place.
1: It takes a while to get there because when we're first, the first time we're struck with that feeling, we just think that the world has just sort of opened up. And something it, it is meant to be. When I feel this way with you, then you're the person I'm meant to be with. And what I've learned is that when I have the strength of of these this feeling like you're my other half and it's meant to be, that's more about the the drug in my brain, the chemicals that are firing off, than it is anything about you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I did an amazing thing once. I and I. I'm so lucky I did it. I fell in love at 11 for the first time. And I stayed obsessed with this person until I was 20. And I found wow. him at 40. I found him at 40 years old. And what was interesting is that I, all of the things about him that were so um, charismatic and were so powerful when I was 11, he, he still had all those qualities. But, and I say but very strongly, or and, I had done a lot of work on myself. And all of the trouble that was in that person and in that relationship was showing up also at forty. You know, all of he was an, he was a pretty heavy alcoholic. He was very self centered. Um, he was he, those things had been true when he was eleven, and and mm-hmm. and, I, and I and I but I I only saw the charm. So mm-hmm. that that's what I'm talking about. It's like that same I felt the same attraction to him at forty, but this other part of me that said do not enter was very strong and I, I just spent a, a, a long lunch with him sort of amazed at the journey I'd been on that I could say, no, this is not a good life partner. I can see why I fell in love and I'm so glad I didn't go further with
0: him. To mm-hmm. Try to do a life. You cultivated some discernment by the time you turned 40. Hopefully yeah, most did. of us
1: do <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of personal <laughs> torture, but I did it.
0: Wow. That is, that's a fascinating story. I recently had a, uh, a, uh, uh, some dinner with a guy that I was that I dated through high school and I just saw things from, you know, same guy, same charm. But yeah, again, it was just like, wow, that poor girl that fell in love with this guy. Yes. So so much more altitude and discernment. It was like, wow, this is quite interesting. So it is interesting to revisit those earlier relationships and see them from that higher consciousness.
1: If we can do it, you know, and I think that, um, I mean, there's so much we could do a whole, a whole show about choosing And how how we get into it because so many so many books are focused on how to keep people together but some people shouldn't be together to begin with Mm -hmm. and I because they didn't choose from a place of intelligence they chose from a place of passion and that's very important but it's not all there is you know you need someone that can show up and do the work that's just as
0: important. Absolutely. So how can we know, Linda, how can we know if we're in a relationship that deserves that, that work to go to that deeper place? How do we know if it's some, somebody we should walk away from? Do you have any suggestions about do uh, have how suggestions. to understand this?
1: I do. They have to do with cultivating other parts of our intelligence other than feelings. So it's not very sexy, but you have, the and, and it's also, people often ask me, as I speak about my book love cycles, they say, well, you know, what are some good questions to ask somebody that you're falling in love with? And uh, uh, my answer is, there are no questions. Absolutely no questions you can ask, because we all know the right answers. It's not about the questions. It's about observing. It's about observing who this other person is when they don't get their own way. What are their other relationships like? How do they talk about past partners? Is it always someone else's fault? How do they talk about failures in their life? You know, if all they've had is successes, that's trouble. And how do they talk about things that didn't go so well for them? Do they say, can they name their part of it? Or is it always someone else's fault? Mm -hmm. What are their relationships like with their family? Do they have cutoffs? Do they talk about their family in a way that's pretty realistic, loving but also not making them perfect, cuz both of those are red flags. You know, if if people say, "Oh, my family's perfect," that's trouble, cuz no one's perfect. And if people say, and that's and it, we were talking about that whole person, a whole person knows that things that people aren't perfect. So, that, do they talk about family as perfect or all bad? And both of those are signs
0: that there's trouble. Mm, one extreme so or the other.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one or the other. So the, the, you observe how they live their life, what their integrity is like in the world, not with you, because how they treat other people eventually is how they're going to treat you. When the enchantment goes to disenchantment, I can still count on my partner being a really kind, good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, even though, when, even where he has been
0: disenchanted
1: with other people in his life and with me. You know, he still comes up as a really good guy. And that is, but not everybody does. Um, he's still fair and kind, mostly, mm-hmm. except when he's
0: feeling criticized.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: nobody likes that.
1: <laughs> that's human. That's human. Um, yeah, you have to be careful how you, you uh,
0: present that information sometimes. Yeah, so that's right. That, that's interesting to me. Um I'd like to get into some, um, so say you're with a, a person that you, you do want to work on the relationship. You do want to get to the other side and, and get to this place of wholehearted loving. I know you have a lot of great information in your book about some bridges to be able to do that. Can we talk about that? How do we get from this place of discomfort back to comfort? Do you have some words of wisdom here?
1: Well, the first thing we have to do is look at the barriers because the, what stops me from being wholehearted Mm-hmm. So we've got to see what gets in the way. You know, we know how we, most of us know what it means to be wholehearted. And if we could just turn it on like a light switch, we would do it. But that there are things that get in the way where we've been hurt before gets in the way, where we're closed, or half-hearted, or where we are, the the stories that we tell ourselves about what love is gets in the way. Codependency gets in the way from real love, where mm-hmm. many of us have been taught what it is that is, um, what it is to love someone is actually a blueprint for codependency. And there's this wonderful quote I have in the first in the chapter about barriers from Rumi: "Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within you that you have built against it." Mm-hmm. So, so that's the first part is looking in, within to see where we really are closed off and protected, or cynical. And then the bridges, the bridges between people are all, all, one one of the things I love, one of the things I often ask people to look back at is, where in the first part of the relationship, where were you deeply touched? What are the things you did then? People give each other spontaneous gifts. They connect during the day. They speak each other's languages. You know, like a lot of people, we know more women than men, for instance, love, they love words. They love text and email and phone calls. But in the beginning, most men stretch and do that. We know that a lot of men love doing things side by side. They love action. You know, my my husband still talks about a couple of weeks ago when we were at the beach, what a wonderful day we had because I went with him and we drove to hardware stores and he was doing things at our beach house. I still don't get it. I don't get it. He said, that was so special. I loved you just driving around with me. I thought, could somebody explain this? You know, I just in the car. But he thought for him, that was like intimacy. And I and I know that a lot of men love side by side. So mm-hmm. we learn to practice each other's languages of love. You know, yes. whether somebody wants us to drive around and do errands or they, how do they connect. But at the beginning, we do those things easily. The, one of the bridges to wholehearted is actually, it's interesting. There was a very big... Um, experiment done to try to, they they were trying to find out what the most important quality in a happy long-term relationship was. And the people that put this together thought that it would be sex, but that's not what it turned out to be. It turned out to be generosity. Mm. So another bridge to wholehearted is generosity. You know, how do we, some of us actually have A a gift of generosity. It's just easy. It's in us. And some people are more challenged, but it doesn't mean we can't learn how to be more generous. We can all learn that. Um, Another thing is being able to be playful together and play and play is tricky. You know, a therapist often say, well, you should play. But when you have couples who don't know how to talk from their heart, who are shut down with each other, some of the, the most awful thing they can do sometimes is go away for a weekend where they just stare at each other over clam chatter and think, what is there to talk about? Or everything becomes a fight. Part mm-hmm. of our, again, part of our learning to play with our partner is looking at how we play with ourselves. Remembering that it came free in the first stage where everything we did together was wonderful. How do, Are we good players or do we know how to play? Some of us didn't. You know I was an only child and I my play was books so I have a hard time with the whole concept of play and my husband he he was a guy who ran in the woods and, and and watched birds and you know went on boats and so there he has taught me a lot about play but those things made me very anxious especially the boats at first so play is important but some of it we have to look and see where where am I blocked with that what does that mean you can't just say go play it's like saying go be creative I think another another important part of of the bridges is learning how to manage the the important conversations we have to have that are hard, how to talk about what's wrong without hurting love. And that's a bridge because we just because we're in a wholehearted relationship doesn't mean we walk around gazing and starry-eyed. We still annoy each other. The same things that will bother you when you're in the the stuck place will bother you when you're wholehearted. You just approach it differently.
0: Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it really does. I, I appreciate that a lot. You know, I'm I'm hearing a lot of my relationship in your words, as I would imagine a lot of the okay. people listening do. Yes, great. <laughs> so something else I really love, Linda, is um, something you write about towards the end of your book, the seven C's. And the I can seven. really relate to a lot of this as far as really, you know. Um, creating that that um, heart connection. Some of your C's were so um, powerful to me. Can we talk a little bit about the seven C's?
1: Sure. One is, okay, one is choice. What does that mean? It means I, because I'm a whole person, I know how to support myself emotionally, sexually, physically, um, financially, emotionally. I know I'm a whole person. I can live on my own successfully. I don't have to live with you to be okay that means I can choose to live with you every day, but it doesn't come out of fear, it doesn't come out of, yes. of a neediness. It yes. comes because it's a choice to say I yes. I want to
0: be here. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I choose to be here in this, yes. and and it's not from a place of of um, of being less than. It's from a place of strength, commitment, and commitment is not just I commit to the relationship. It's I commit to what is getting in the way. Of the relationship that I bring, that I create, it means that I have—I'm willing to look at myself to do the inside work that is—that uh, gets in the way of letting you know you're fantastic, of of the part of me that starts trouble, and I think that that the other part of commitment is to the relationship is knowing I'm doing my life the right way for me,
0: mm, committed to oneself. That was a big one oneself. for me to learn. Um, compassion. Yes.
1: Compassion is just the magic. We all struggle with the human condition and compassion is not indulgence. It's not, it's not saying, um, oh, I, you had a hard day and, and, um, therefore it's okay that you didn't call me, that you were late. That's not, you know, that's not what compassion is. I mean, that's understanding maybe if it happens once, but compassion is really putting ourselves with clear boundaries Honoring our need for safety and accountability, compassion is being able to understand that the other person is not us. And things that bother them don't bother us. And a really good example of this is that I have gotten so I don't want to watch the news at night. I can't do it. And my husband loves the news. He reads the New York Times every morning. He watches the news, and he's really intelligent about what goes on in the world. I'm not. I'm sort of half. Oh, you guys are just
0: like me and my husband. Is it?
1: Well, (laughs) I feel annoyed with him because I want to go play. And he wants me to sit and watch the news, but we have to know that the other isn't them. That for him, the more information he can get that he thinks is good, the less bad he feels about the world. And for me, the more I get, the worse I feel. So, So compassion also means accepting you're not me and that what you need to make you feel good and whole is not what I need necessarily. Co-creation. How do we create a relationship together? How do we create something that's you know, people have inevitable difficulties. You know, one person wants a child, one doesn't. One wants a dog, one wants a cat. You know, There are are all... One wants to live in the country, one wants to live in the city. Uh, One wants a vacation in the woods, one wants to go to the hotel. How do we work that out? How do we not... No, I don't like that word compromise because to me it means both people get a little bit of what they want and most of what they don't want. But how do we create something between us from our strengths that's really going to work? And and co-creation, again, there's a lot of skill in co-creation. The last is courage. You know, I think that we need courage to confront ourselves. It means to face our own fears. It means to be able to know how to bring up hard topics Courage means to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. That's a really important thing to say in a relationship sometimes. I'm sorry, I was wrong, I was unfair. And that takes courage to do too. So that's the fifth C is courage. Mm.
0: That's a lot. That's a lot of good stuff. I have another one. I don't know if you have this, but curiosity. That's been so oh, helpful. that's a great one, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Who <Yes>. are you? <laughs> Who are you? That's wonderful, isn't it? Tell me about you. You're yeah, not rather me. than
0: saying, this is who you have to be for me to be happy, I get curious about who he is. And it is. It's like visiting another planet. We're so different in so it many ways. It is like visiting
1: another planet sometimes. But then you—then for me, sometimes I hit those places where we really know each other in a very deep way and we're alike in a, and I always say we're really alike in a soulful way. Our mm-hmm. personalities couldn't be more different, but our souls know each other and can rest easy together.
0: That's beautiful. That's re- I feel like I can relate to that for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, that, I that, think it that like through
0: pure heart connection, despite any of the, the details and differences. And, re- right. you know, the respect of that. That's beautiful. So I have to say, I really love the last chapter of your book so much. Love is an inside job. And then you have a segment from the inside out, which is the subtitle of all my books, because I do think it it really yes. has to start with them. We, what's the last quote you had in your book? We don't see Uh, others as they are, we see them as we are. That's right. As it is, we see it as we are. So we have to take responsibility for our connection relationship with ourselves, in order for the outside of our reality to, to be something that is enjoyable, that we want to observe, that we, that we want to participate with. It's an inside job. That's right. So Linda, do you have any um, words of wisdom or suggestions for us to really kind of um, embody and embrace that? Um, a little bit more today.
1: Well, okay. My last words of, what are my last words? You want me to leave you with something?
0: Well, we we have four minutes left. So we have more than just a couple last words, but some last thoughts about how to really create that loving um, connection within ourselves so that we can have it more outside of ourselves.
1: Well, I think the value of psychoeducation that is really, really huge. We live in a time where we have roadmaps and we've never had that before. Mm -hmm. That is never, ever, uh, we've never been in a place where certainly my parents, they were not able to go to a book or the Internet or listen to talks like this, programs like yours. They weren't able to understand what the roadmap was. Mm -hmm. And we're so blessed because we have that. We have that understanding about knowing that there's some roadmap of love. Now, a lot of it, of course, we'll never know we don't know now and we'll never ever understand it but there's plenty that we do understand and if we can if we can be and i think that some of it does take courage to say we don't know but i'm going to learn all that i can to under, to what there is about the technology of love and it's sort of a strange word it doesn't really go with it but in fact i think it's a, an appropriate word and if i'm committed to you know we have all a lot of a lot of information about communication skills. But the other skills we need are the skills the Wisdom Traditions talks about, G- the generosity and patience, forgiveness. And working on those skills, I think a relationship is a truly spiritual path because in order to really make it work, you have to develop those spiritual characteristics in yourself. Without generosity, you're not going to have a wholehearted relationship. Without forgiveness, you're not going to be able to be in a long-term relationship. And without doing your own work, you're going to always be coming from neediness or trying to make up for something, rather than knowing what it's like to live from a full heart.
0: That's mm. so true. It just—it just reminds me of how necessary it is to have that really strong, solid foundation so that you can build what you want in your life on it. If that foundation isn't cultivated, then it's it's simply not going to be able to thrive. So what I hear you saying is to take real responsibility for that solid foundation within ourselves. That's
1: right. Yes. So
0: important. And I do believe what what you're saying also reminds me of the the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So right. what is it you want? What do you want help with? What do you want support with? And then scan the horizon because it's all available. It's well, all we there. Well, we have to
1: have life experience, most of us. Before we even have a sense of the direction we need to go in to learn, what does it mean to work on ourselves? If I tell that to my 20-year-old grandson who's in a sophomore in college, Mm -hmm. you know, he knows enough to be able to speak the language, but he doesn't really get what it's about. You know, I think that you have to be able to have been in life enough and humble enough to say, some of this happened because I didn't know something. I want to find out what it is I didn't know.
0: Right. I read that somewhere, and it made so much sense. We can't learn our lessons vicariously through anyone else, and I think parents want to do that as friends and siblings and family. You want to be able to help other people avoid the problems that we've experienced, but it's it's impossible. That's we, right. We that's have right. to live our own lives. Yes, that's so, right. So, Linda, um, we just have a minute here, and I want people people to be able to connect with you, find you, find your book. How can they do that?
1: Well, you can go to Linda A. Carroll. L-I-N-D-A-A, remember the A in between, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. And if you go to my website and lyndaacarroll.com, that when you click on books, it takes you right to my books, to my book website. And it also tells how to get a hold of me um, if, if you are interested in any kind of counseling, skyping, coaching, I do that. Um, I travel a lot. I work with couples all over the United States, and I love it. And I also speak at the wonderful Rancho La Puerta. I'm there four weeks a year talking and talking about love. So There's lots of ways to connect with me. Come to the ranch. It's just the best place on earth. And I would love That's to hear from
0: you. Beautiful. Well, Linda, I have enjoyed you immensely. I'm so glad that you were able to say yes to the conversation and and bring some more um, clarity to the sometimes confusing subject of relationships. And to my wonderful, incredible listeners. I'm always so honored to be spending some time with you. If you have any questions, if you have somebody you want me to talk to on the show, if you want to connect for any reason, please go to my website, TammyBPhD.com. I have a free prosperity program available for you there, and I, I'm always open to having um, interaction with you. That's what this is about, connecting, communicating, having conscious conversations. So, so glad you're a part of the energy here. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.